Hello, tea crew, and welcome to a brand new episode of Tea Talk with Shot. Today, we're going to be spilling the tea, getting all into all the hot topics all over social media and the internet. And we're also going to be doing a deep dive into Candace Owens. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Stay tuned. All right, tea crew, the tea is brewing, so let's get our mugs ready and get into it. So the first topic here, Real Housewives of Potomac is back, and you know, as per usual, the girlies are not only getting into it on screen, they're getting into it off screen as well via social media. So the new episode premiered, I'll probably talk about that in a couple weeks after a couple more episodes have premiered, and we'll just get into all of it. But after the premiere, Mia Thornton was not done getting into these ladies. And she posted a full clip of new cast member Jacqueline Blake getting into it with her child's father physically. Um, and she's really securing her um, her blossom as they're, you know, in Potomac. So that's the little thing that they hold or whatever, the cherry blossom with two new storylines, one of which Jacqueline Blake and the domestic violence that she allegedly committed against her child's father. Now, there's no context in the clip. It just shows Jacqueline throwing things, hitting, kicking. I mean, I will admit that it was uncomfortable to watch, um, you know, because people may say, Domestic violence against a man is different because men are just, you know, genetically and sometimes naturally stronger than women in some cases. And so even though it didn't seem like he was really um, getting physically hurt by this, it's just hard to watch. It's like, who wants to see somebody going through something like that for two reasons, because it's violent, but also because whatever happened before that pushed Jacqueline to the point of doing this. Now, of course, Candace chimed in and she said Mia was dead wrong for posting this video because everybody's had to hit their baby daddy. I was like, here we go. This is that narrative that domestic violence against men is acceptable and okay. And even if she was joking, as I'm sure the Candace fans will say, oh, girls, you're reaching. She was joking. But it's still not a good narrative to put out there that it's okay to hit your partner, whoever they may be. If you can't solve it with words, then you should just cool off and let the situation boil down before you try to address it because nobody needs to be putting their hands on anybody physically because that's how terrible things could happen if he would have retaliated and really hurt her or worse then the whole situation could have blown up you know to an even bigger situation than what it was so we never want to condone any type of violence especially not domestic violence but Mia put it out there anyway and you know, it's obvious that these girls are busting into the new season with both feet. She also put out a storyline about her brother-in-law stealing her money from herself and her husband, leaving them basically broke. She put that out last week. So whatever is going on in Mia's life, it is certain that she is trying to stay on the Real Housewives of Potomac real bad. (laughs) As Carisha would say, real bad. She's really going for it. And it just made me think like, if we're going to get all these storylines via social media, what's the point of the show? It's almost like in order to keep the shows juicy and good, maybe we should really have these women on some type of gag order where they can't talk about things that are going to be on the show 
previous to the show because Mia spoke about that um, issue with her brother-in-law last week. And then right after the episode last night, she dropped this video of Jacqueline. So it's just like with so much going on on social media and on the show, the show always comes up late because it's pre-recorded and we don't see it for months and months after things actually occur until, you know, we get closer to the reunion, which is closer to real time, but still they're discussing things that happened six to nine months ago. Um, and it really kind of puts a wrench in like our timeline as the viewers. I don't know, but I'm happy that, um, Potomac is actually bringing the heat. You know, Ashley's talking about her divorce, you know, Karen's there to soak up all the tea. Of course, Candace is going to be messy in any way she can. So it's good to see a real housewives. That's interesting. I know we talked about it before, but Roa may have some things up their sleeve. We'll get to that in this episode, but it's just nice to see Potomac start off with a bang um, because, you know, we need that. That's our other black franchise. We got to we got to support it. We got to push it. All right. Let's go to the next topic here. Lizzo responds to another unprovoked attack by Kanye West on Tucker, on Tucker Carlson. So we all know Kanye West is spiraling and we're going to get into that a little later as well, but he went on to Tucker Carlson and shared some of his unique views. Let's just put it like that for now. And one of them is that, you know, Lizzo is pushing a narrative of obesity to the black community. She alone is the only woman out there making it seem okay for people to be obese and it's not right. He also said it was demonic or something like he went really off the deep end per usual when he was talking about Lizzo and Lizzo just responded, you know, that she just doesn't understand why everybody has to keep her name in their mouth. And I'm just like, yeah, like at the end of the day, Americans want to think that they're this fit country, that everyone is a size six and, you know, models and celebrities and stuff reflect the general population. At the end of the day, the average size jeans that a woman wears is a 14. We are a big nation. We overeat. Our portions are crazy. Our healthcare system is complete trash. There's really nothing that's stopping us from becoming obese from childhood and staying obese until the end of our lives. It happens for most people. So for him to make it seem like she's the only big person out here doing something like you're wrong, sir. You're a thousand percent wrong. And I also want to point to this fact. Nobody said any of these narratives when Adele was big. Now, shout out to Adele. I don't know if she got the sleeve. I don't know what she did, but she's lost a lot of weight in the past four, four or five years. But Adele was a very big woman when she started singing. When she first came out, she was a bigger woman and nobody said anything to Adele. There was never this narrative of, oh, she's prom promoting obesity by being herself. Oh, she's promoting obesity by doing music videos and concerts that people will see her and think it's okay to be obese. But as soon as Lizzo does it, all of a sudden the little body positivity comes into the chat and people are like, oh, well, she's promoting obesity. She wants our kids to be fat. She doesn't want, it's like, she never said that she's just being herself. And if you follow Lizzo, you know that she works out. She dances extremely hard. She's always doing things to promote fitness. She has a fitness line with Fabletics. Like she promotes fitness and getting out there and getting active and dancing. She has a whole show about big girls that can really move and really dance. It's like 
Lizzo is not one telling people to pick up a bag of chips and have a mukbang every day. She's just not. And people always point to her because she's an easy target and they want something to say, but it's tired and it's late. And I really wish people would stop doing that because Lizzo really isn't promoting obesity. She's promoting body positivity and doing things at any size, that at any size you can get up there, show off your body, be proud of who you are. And that's honestly what we need with the with the nation's average size jeans being 14. This is a lot of people's story. This isn't just her story. This is a lot of this is the story for a lot of Americans. And we all need to come to grips with it. And thirdly, okay, Kanye West himself got liposuction because he felt as though if he got bigger, that people would talk about him like they talked about Rob. That came out of his own mouth. He said that in TMZ, he went to TMZ and he said that he got liposuction because he didn't want people to talk about his body the way they talked about Rob Kardashian. So if you're running under the knife, please don't criticize people who are able to live in their bodies and you weren't. Hmm? (laughs) Lord, I can't. Let's go on to the next topic here. So I said Roa. So Roa is starting off with a bang. Allegedly, they started filming this weekend and apparently there was a brawl between longest running Real Housewife Candy Burris and a party goer at Sonia Richards Ross's 30s themed uh, party that she threw. Now, Sheree was there with her boo, Martell. And they were, you know, dicing it up, kicking it up. Kenya apparently, you know, says some things to Sheree. I don't know if it was her clothing line, about her new relationship with Martel, whatever it was. Kenya was over there mixing it up. And apparently Candy, allegedly, Candy got physical with a party goer that was there. She Their clips are surfacing of her asking Todd to hold her bag, that she was about to get into it, and that she did leave the party early and she was very upset now this seemed to be confirmed by candy on her social media when she went on to post um you know as a tourist i really stay away from the drama but once i'm in it i don't fear anybody or something like along those lines there's like cursing in it so i'm trying to abbreviate it but yeah candy says she's not the one to play with now this is the thing about candy do I think she brings enough to the show to hold down Roa? I don't. And we talked about this last week. But do I think that Candy plays? I don't think Candy is one to be played with. Absolutely not. We remember that pillow party with Nini and Candy going off and three men having to hold her back. Candy has a lot of rage. You know, she is definitely not one to play with. Um, I'm glad we don't see it often because it definitely does not look healthy for Candy. When she gets into that space, it's like she's a whole nother person. She doesn't really drink. So it's just pure rage when she starts fighting with other cast members or other people that are around. So it's at least nice to see that she was able to remove herself from the situation. I don't know if it got physical. I don't think any of us will know um, until the show airs or they may even cut it. You know how Bravo is doing us lately. They cut out all the good stuff. Um, so we will see, but it looks like they're really trying to get our interest early in this new season of Roa because the last season of Roa just wasn't, um, you know, where it usually is numbers wise. All right, y'all. 
let's move into the next topic here. Let's talk about Kanye. Now, you know, we've had a Kanye break on the podcast for quite some time because I just cannot continue to keep covering his antics 24 seven. He is like a walking hot topic. He's always talking about something. He's always doing something. And of course we know at this point he's doing it on purpose. Um, so Kanye was finally blocked by Twitter and Instagram after a really wild post where he threatened Jewish people in some anti-Semitic tweets. And that was basically it for him. Now he already had his Instagram restricted, which I guess means that he would have to, um, submit his posts for review by Instagram before it's posted on the platform. So Kanye has been on, I guess now a two, two and a half week, um, bender where he's been talking about everything from fashion designers to people that don't support him to his ex-wife, Kim, um, to ASAP Rocky, to Drake, Basically, everybody has been on the chopping block for Kanye. He's also talked about Adidas and the deal being under review because of the things that he's been doing and his actions lately. Um, He was able to get out of the deal with Gap. So that's no longer happening, I guess. Um, But he's just, you know, he's been spiraling. He's manic um, at this point. And I know, unfortunately, firsthand how it feels to be manic when you're in that state, you just, it really, it's crazy. This, and you guys are not going to like, you guys are gonna be like, what? But when you are in that state, it's euphoric. Like you feel so powerful. You feel like nothing can hurt you. And then when you come back to reality, you realize, yeah, things can hurt you. You're still human. And now you've hurt all these people by not being in check with reality when you had that reality break that you were actually just saying and doing things that are do not in line with your character and now you have a lot of apologies to make and some bridges that are completely burned that'll never be you know reestablished. like that whole thing with Vogue I definitely think that Vogue is done with him I think that that's you know that bridge has been burned they're standing behind um Gabrielle Carifa and I believe that they should Um, and certain things you just won't be able to come back from. I mean, this is a very serious thing for him as a person, as a professional, everyone is trying to detach themselves from yay at this point. Um, like I said earlier, he sat down with Tucker Carlson, who I really feel like is taking advantage of him in this situation. He did a two night special on Kanye where Kanye just, you know, he's, he's manic. He rambled, he went into different topics. He, you know, criticized Blizzo. He just went all the way in. He talked about his white lives matter t-shirts and Tucker was just there to monetize off the entire thing. He's monetizing off of his mania basically. And it's sad to see it happen to Kanye because sometimes I listen to his music, his earlier music, and I'm just like, what happened to this person? Like, where did this person go? Like, where did this genius go? And it's, it's sad in a way. And it really, really, I really want him to get the help that he needs because it's easy to criticize someone and the things that he said. And like, I'm done with him. You know, I'm not gonna listen to his music and stuff like that anymore. I think I'm just done with the situation, but I do want him to get help because I feel like It's so easy to, like I said, monetize off of his mania, post what he's saying, bring him on your show for an interview. 
but it's a lot harder to accept the fact that he's just a person who's crying out for help and not getting any help because he has so much money now that he can fire anybody who's giving him good advice and hire somebody else who will be a yes man and just agree with everything that he says. Um, you know, it's just, it's sad. You get to a place where your own money becomes a prison because you really are, you can't get any genuine voices, even family he's paid off and they work for him and they're never going to speak out. So it's just like you make this prison for yourself with your money that nobody can get into. And then you're just in there by yourself. You're isolated and it's sad. Um, but after he made the threat, you know, the anti-Semitic threat, they did have to go ahead and take him offline because now it's just getting to be too dangerous and you know he does still have a lot of fans people that follow and support him and we don't need any kind of trends or any type of violence against a specific group of people um, based on Kanye's tweets so I think Twitter is definitely doing the right thing and Instagram's doing the right thing by censoring him because at this point his mind is not his own and nobody knows what's going to come out of his mouth next and he has a platform a huge platform of millions and billions of people that are listening to him um, worldwide and we don't need to start another like hate situation where people are going out committing hate crimes in the name of Kanye West and he's also running for president again so there's that I don't, it's just a lot, you know, after this, we will have another Kanye break for at least three or four months because I just can only talk about it so often, but I feel for him and mental health is important. I hope everybody that's looking at these tweets and messages understands that this is part of his psychosis and mental health matters and you have to continuously take care of yourself so you don't spiral in this way. I'm telling you, it's a lot easier to do than you think. And everyone needs to take accountability for themselves every day and their mental state every day. If you need a break, if you need a day off, I recently read one of my friends just took six weeks off for a mental break, you know, no vacations, no nothing, just clearing her head. And I was like, wow, amazing. What a privilege it is to be able to do that because a lot of people can't financially, but if you can do it, do it. Absolutely do it because that's, it's so needed. It's so needed that we get that time off to unplug, um, especially as people of color and especially black women in particular, you have to find that time. All right, let's get into the last topic here, the Call of Duty commercial. So Call of Duty, the very, very popular online game is coming out with a new game, I guess a spinoff of their original Call of Duty, and they called on a bunch of celebrities to help promote it, including Pete Davidson, Kane, Lil Baby, and Nicki Minaj. Now, it was a great look for all the celebrities that were able to be in the commercial, but one celebrity that was not able to be in a commercial due to her court, um, her recent court appearance was Cardi B. Now, Cardi B talked about being reached out to to do this commercial for Call of Duty. And I guess, you know, it all came back to her last night when the when the commercial aired that she was not a part of the commercial. And it's because of her 2018 bar brawl in which she was recently just sentenced. I think she just got probation or something, but her being, you know, 
a litigate in that case and being involved in that case caused her to lose out on this deal. And she actually, you know, turned it around and said, listen, these are things that I'll never be able to get back. There are certain deals that I don't even talk about that I've been passed up for because of my court case and it's really affected me. So it's good that she's showing both sides of it. I know you know, she talks about in her music, like, oh, I still got open cases and like people think it's cute and fun, but open cases ultimately result in losing a bag. Sometimes, sometimes your open cases can cause you to miss out on opportunities because whatever you've done or supposedly have done could cause the brand to lose money and they don't want to take a chance on you. You know what I mean? Ari Fletcher just came out recently and said she lost $150,000 in her Fenty campaign by, you know, talking about domestic violence positively and, um, you know, thinking it's cute to have a physical violent relationship with someone. Even as a joke, these things can really cost you a bag. So I'm glad the celebrities are being open and honest about that and really letting people know that, yeah, it's all fun and games and we all have free speech and social media. But at the end of the day, some of the things that you say and do can really hurt you in the long run and they can really hurt your career. All right, everybody, this has been this week's trending topics. Stay tuned for our sports report. Hello, hello, hello out there. Welcome to the sports update with J-Rob. Today I'll be covering the NFL and the NBA. So let's get started with week five of the NFL. The Indianapolis Colts defeated the Denver Broncos. No touchdowns were scored in this game. The New York Giants beat the Green Bay Packers. The Giants trailed by 10 at the half, but outscored Green Bay 17-2 in the second half. The Minnesota Vikings defeated the Chicago Bears. Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson caught 12 passes for 154 yards. The New England Patriots shut out the Detroit Lions. Patriots running back Ramondre Stevenson had 25 carries for 161 yards. The Houston Texans beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Texans defense did not allow a touchdown in this game and also held the Jaguars scoreless in the second half. The LA Chargers defeated the Cleveland Browns. Chargers running back Austin Eckler had 16 carries for 173 yards and one touchdown. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Atlanta Falcons. Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady completed 35 passes for 351 yards and one touchdown. The Tennessee Titans defeated the Washington Commanders. Titans running back Derrick Henry had 28 carries for 102 yards and two touchdowns. The Buffalo Bills blew out the Pittsburgh Steelers. Buffalo quarterback Josh Allen completed 20 passes for 424 yards and four touchdowns. The New York Jets embarrassed the Miami Dolphins. The Jets outscored the Dolphins 21-3 in the second half. The New Orleans Saints beat the Seattle Seahawks. Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara combined for 215 rushing yards. The Philadelphia Eagles defeated 
the Arizona Cardinals at 5-0. The Eagles are the NFL's only undefeated team. The Baltimore Ravens beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Ravens place kicker Justin Tucker connected on four field goals, including one from 58 yards. The Dallas Cowboys defeated the LA Rams. The Cowboys defense shut out the Rams offense in the second half. And finally, the San Francisco 49ers blew out the Carolina Panthers. 49ers running back Jeff Wilson had 17 carries for 120 yards and one touchdown. Now let's move to NBA news. The Redeem Team documentary is now streaming on Netflix. The documentary tells the story of the 2008 United States men's Olympic basketball team. And this has been the Sports Update with J-Rob. Have an awesome week. All right, T-Crew, this is my favorite part of the podcast, as you know, where I get to shine a light on something that's on my mind all week. And today we're doing something slightly political, but I'm going to try to make it as um, non-biased as possible, just give you the information like I always do, and then I'll give you my opinion at the end. So let's get into it. <laughs> See how excited I am? All right, so today we're going to be talking about Candace Owens. Candace Owens is a conservative political analyst. She works with Donald Trump. She works with um, the pro-life campaign. She works with Basically, everything anti T-Talk with Shah. <laughs> um, but I wanted to get more into Candace Owens. Like, why is she this way? What made her this way? Why are her ideologies the way that they are? She is now promoting um, her documentary that she did on Black Lives Matter, where she basically goes into the Black Lives Matter um, movement and tries to tear it down piece by piece by finding different things that were happening in the Black Lives Matter movement and just showing them to be fraudulent or money being misappropriated and stuff like that. So she spent, I guess, the last two years or so working on this documentary to quote unquote expose Black Lives Matter and she's purposely trying to destroy the black community and rebuild it on her own conservative ideas that she feels like the black community should take in versus the ideals that we're working through now. Um, so I wanted to get into more of like who she is, what she does, and why she believes the way she does. So let's get into a little bit of her history. So at 17 years old, Candace received three racist voicemails um, apparently from her classmates in high school, some were totaling over two minutes where they really just read her for filth for just being a black person. This deeply affected Candace um, and her family took up a lawsuit against the school board and they won um, and they were awarded $37,000 for her emotional distress and for the school board not doing anything even though they had anti-bullying um 
things in place that should have stopped the students from being able to harass Candace. It didn't happen. And so they awarded the family the $37,000. That's definitely something that I think shaped her, but we'll get to that at the end. Now, after college in 2015, Candace started a blog called Degree 180. Now, this blog was pretty liberal to the left, um, and it was criticizing the Tea Party. It was criticizing Trump, um, even went as far to say that she hopes that the Tea Party pundits uh, die in their sleep and that she doesn't care if it's a peaceful death or not. Um, She actually said that on the blog. So it's clear that at some point she was definitely against the very people that she helps and motivates to this day. Um, Now, after 2015, the blog was not gaining traction the way that she hoped it would, and it became inactive. In 2016, she created an idea where people could track those that are posting things online. And she kind of made a software and a website that would help people do this, where you take a screenshot of the post and you'd be able to use her software and her website to track down the person behind the post. Now, she claims that this would have brought more transparency into the internet space and basically hold people more accountable for what they say on the internet. And there would be less like, trolls and bots and um, keyboard gangsters that get behind the keys and say whatever they want with no consequences. So that was the thought behind this software. But ultimately, it received a lot of criticism for doxing, which is um, opening people's personal information on the internet, which can be quite dangerous. You know, people should be held accountable for the things that they say. Um, But the internet does give people a level of anonymity where they can go ahead and post things and nobody know who they are. And it's kind of that person's privilege to be able to do that with software like this. You could have an IP address, you could have a home address, and things could become very dangerous fit in the physical world very fast with that kind of information. Um, They could put it out there, they could put it online, they could have other people get involved and it could be really, really dangerous. So the website was criticized for that reason and it was taken down. Then the next year in 2017, she became a conservative, quote unquote, overnight in her own words, after gaining the wisdom that liberals were the ones who were actually the most racist and that, you know, they never took time to really help her platform. And then, you know, from that, she became a conservative. She finally started gaining some traction on her ideals and getting more attention, being a black female conservative. And she ended up sticking with that narrative. Now, ultimately, this is what I think about Candace Owens. I think that she's addicted to attention and, you know, exposure. And she doesn't even believe half of the things that she says. She just wants people to keep listening and, you know, not ignore her the way that they did in the past. Um, I definitely think what happened to her in high school and being bullied in that racial way shaped her a lot as a human. I think that she decided as a young person, as most of us do, that racism is, you know, inherently evil and it's terrible, especially being a minority. You just feel um, the hatred that comes with racism that 
you're less than, you are born to be less than, you'll never be as much as other people with lighter skin complexions. And that kind of thing can not just ingrain like where you work and where you live and what you do with your friends. It really digs deep into who you are as a as a person. So I think she denounced that racism really early on in life. But in 2015, when she opened up her political blog, Degree 180, and other um, Democrats and liberals were not, you know, grafting to her blog and really having it be the major success that she thought it was going to be, she inherently thought that they were doing that because she was a black woman. Now it could be true. You know, this part could be true that because she was a black woman, she was young, she was fresh out of college. Um, she didn't get that kind of publicity that other political blogs get with that are started by white people, white men or white women, um, that have these democratic views, the same views that she had, Um, she didn't get the traction there. She didn't get the support there from the democratic party. So she moved on to different things. I mean, as we just talked about, she did something different every year until she landed on the conservative party who was willing to amplify her voice because she's a black conservative. Um, there's definitely less of them and a black woman conservative who wasn't afraid to say some of the things that are not politically correct and that, you know, are really things that can be divisive and and dividing. She wasn't afraid to say these things and they amplified her in the conservative community then getting, you know, linked in with Donald Trump. Of course, he's one who's a master manipulator who was able to pull um, you know, her talents, quote unquote, what he could from her and blow her up even more um, to the point where now she's like a conservative celebrity. Everyone's really heard of her because of her, um, you know, really polarizing views that she's always spewing all the time. But like I said, I really feel like it's just a hurt girl. I can't even say a woman. I feel like Whenever you go through a trauma like that, you're stunted in that age. I feel like she's still the hurt 17-year-old that's replaying those racist voicemails over and over again on her cell phone and crying and being torn up about it, you know, and even though her family went to court and got the $37,000 and, you know, the court essentially said, yes, you were right. These racist kids were wrong. This should have never happened to you. But I think that still just replays on a loop in her head. And she needs to feel accepted. She needs to feel heard. And the conservative community is giving that to her because they're using her as a pawn because of her skin color. Um, it's sad. It's unfortunate. You know, she's also a mother. So I just it's just sad to think like those ideals that she's pushing down into her biracial children. You know what I mean? That somehow their black side is less than it's just it's terrible I don't think about it because those kids are innocent but at the end of the day you know Candace is a hurt person that never got help um and this is what can happen sometimes when people just don't get help and they just want to hear their own voice so bad she's put out all these books that I don't even know if anybody's ever read um She's working on this documentary. She's always doing something for someone to listen to her, for someone to hear her opinion, even if it goes viral for a little clip or something like that. She's always, you know, doing things like that because 
she just didn't feel heard. She didn't feel appreciated. And she still probably is seeking that validation through attention um, that you really are never going to be fulfilled. You really have to validate yourself as who you are as a person and, you know, start from there. And if you can't, then that's where all these problems start. Um, but you know, I could ramble on and on and on about that because that's just like inner work that you, each of us have to do on themselves in order to really become the person that you're supposed to be and not just, you know, a garbage person like she is at the end of the day. Um, so I guess we can wrap up there. (laughs) I hope you guys enjoyed this deep dive. Stay tuned for our outro comments. All right, T-Crew, this is my least favorite part of the podcast where I have to say goodbye to you. I just want to thank you all for liking the post, sharing the post. Don't forget to head over to our Facebook page and like and share some reels over there where we are monetized and all of that goes right back into the growth of the podcast. As always, convict the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. We won't stop until she gets the justice that she rightly deserves. Have a beautiful day or night wherever you are. And I love you for listening. Bye.